Hello, everybody. I'm Matt Mikuchi, and you are listening to the Jazzes Podcast. Hello, everybody. Jazz is online editor Matt Mikuchi here, welcoming you to a new episode of our podcast series of conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today. A series that we simply like to call the Jazz is Podcast. And it's brought to you in conjunction with Jazz is Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz is editors, and that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. Composer and arranger Brent Wallerab joins us to talk about his latest album with the renowned Buzeli Wallerab Jazz Orchestra. Their new album, The Jeanette Suite, is a captivating tribute to Jeanette Records, the historic label that flourished in the 1920s and played a pivotal role in shaping the course of 20th century music. With The Jeanette Suite, Wallerab and his comrades creatively breathe new life into the label's early records and celebrate some of its legendary artists. Join us as we delve into the magic behind this wonderfully unique project and uncover the rich musical legacy that it celebrates. Fire up on Audio Teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. This is Brent Wallerab on the Jazz Ace Podcast. Hello, Brent. Welcome to the Jazz Ace Podcast. Oh, hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm very uh, thrilled to be here. Oh, it's such a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, we'll be talking about your uh, new project, the Jeanette Suite. Uh, but uh, first, I wanted to talk about you, uh, because, you know, uh, what I like to do in these podcast series is to break the proverbial ice. I kind of like to start off these conversations by asking the artists that I speak with uh, about if they could share a memory from early life or childhood when they really awaken to the power and beauty of music. Uh, do you have one such memory that comes to mind when you think about how your journey in music began? Oh, absolutely. Well, I, uh, I started playing trombone in uh, the fourth grade, and uh, shortly thereafter, we moved from Ohio to a southern Illinois farm town, and there was not really anything happening in the music school, uh, or it's junior high and high school, and the band programs were very weak. Uh, the band directors were really not very inspiring, and so I was going to quit. I wanted to quit music altogether. But my mom and dad said, hey, remember, uh, when we agreed to let you play trombone, you had to stick with it through the end of eighth grade. And I said, okay, well, I can, I can hang in there for another couple of years. Well, in eighth grade, I was uh, sick uh, and I wasn't able to go to school for about a week. And I was getting a little bored one afternoon. I went searching uh, just kind of through the, the, the bowels, the dark bowels of the basement to see what I could find. And I found my dad's old jazz records. And there were some albums, and uh, they had some trombone players on the front of the album. I thought, well, l- let's listen to this stuff. And so I started playing this stuff on the record player. And after about an hour, my life changed. Uh, I had never really listened to jazz before or big band music before. And hearing what a trumpet and a trombone or a saxophone and clarinet could actually do, the, the, the rhythm and the energy and the expressiveness, it 
that hour changed my life. It went from, I can't wait to quit to, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And wow. so, yeah, that was the, the power of those. Uh, and there was some, um, Count Basie, there was some Louis Armstrong and, uh, these records quite literally changed my life. And in terms of the trombone, were there any particular, you know, artists who really grabbed your attention early on? Yeah, for sure. Well, the very first trombone players that I, I heard were with, uh, is playing a solo capacity were on the Louis Armstrong records my dad had. And there was some Jack Teagarden and, uh, there was, um, uh, Tyree Glenn, who was a, a, a an Ellington trombone player and Trummy Young. And uh, hearing these trombone players who were playing on these records with Louis Armstrong, I just, I couldn't believe that a trombone could sound like that. That it, that it could have this range, it could have this lyricism, it could be so expressive. And we had three different trombone players and they all sounded differently. And I thought, oh wow, they're playing the same instrument, but they could find their own voice. And so it was through those earlier uh, Louis Armstrong records and those three great trombone players that I really understood that not just the trombone, but all of these instruments can really be very personal and very expressive depending on the individual who is playing them. And then from there, I, I discovered all these other great trombone players, more modern players at the time, you know, JJ Johnson and Carl Fontana and, and some of these other players. So yeah, but those were my, uh, initial ins inspirations. And from there on, it's just been a wonderful career up to this point. And, and jumping ahead to your mo most uh, recent project that I mentioned, this is an exciting tribute to the legacy of Jeanette Records. Now, however, I would love to begin by asking you if you could tell us uh, a little bit about Jeanette, because, Jeanette, because um, you know, it was such an important part of history of jazz and recorded music at large. But, you know, it's always great to kind of revisit it because I feel like some people may not be as familiar with it anymore sadly <laughs> so of if you course. could just tell us a little bit about it before we start talking about your uh, project in particular absolutely uh there's a, a little city in indiana in uh, east central indiana uh called richmond indiana and in the uh, late 1800s there's a piano company the star piano company they they made pianos that they sent all around the country with the advent of the recording industry uh in the late 19 teens uh, they started making furniture that people could put their Victrolas on and store their, the, the initial 78, you know, records in. And they thought, well, why don't we go ahead and get into the record industry? So around 1917, they, uh, started a recording component, uh, of the Star Piano Company. And it was run by two brothers named Jeanette. And so we had the Jeanette record. Uh, and they started just recording whomever they could. And, uh, they recorded all very, various genres, certainly jazz. And that's what we're celebrating with this recording, but also blues and, and country and gospel and, uh, many other really great versions of early Americana uh, music. Um, and so they were quite successful. Uh, they reached out to a lot of the great jazz musicians who were living in Chicago at the time who had migrated north from New Orleans, including, you know, King Oliver and Louis Armstrong, who was with King Oliver at the time, but also Jelly Roll Morton came to Indiana to record and then Big Spiderbeck and, and, uh, uh, Hoagie Carmichael. They all came to Richmond to record. And in all of these cases, these were the first recordings that these great musicians did. So the Jeanette Records studio 
where they were able to record and produce and distribute the very first jazz recordings from these major, major jazz artists. And therefore, uh, very important in documenting some of the incredible music that was happening in America during that time, early 20s. I guess, uh, you know, you answered a little bit about this question and the first question that I asked you, but I, I just wanted to kind of, you know, ask you about your own personal fascination with Jeanette and where that began and when you started thinking that you could uh, be creative with it. <laughs> because Louis Armstrong was one of the very first uh, impressionable influences on me, those early records that I mentioned earlier, um, as I got older, I started exploring more about Louis Armstrong. And I uncovered some of these recordings that were being reissued back, you know, you remember when, um, uh, you know, CDs were starting to take, take over from, from LPs in the, I don't know, the late eighties, I suppose. I uh, ran across some of these recordings by King Oliver and Jelly Roll Morton and many others. And at first it was a little off-putting because the technology was so different. You know, the records sound scratchy. They're not as clear as what we're used to hearing, but I stuck with them. And I taught myself to listen through the technology, to listen to the actual music. And I think that's important for, for all musicians to be able to do. We can all be influenced by, you know, previous technology that might not deliver on some levels that we're used to now. But I think it's really important that we can listen through that and get to the music. And once I, I stuck with it and listened to it, it just came alive to me. And so I became very interested in this music, the music first. And then just by reading liner notes, uh, I found, oh, well, this is recorded in Richmond, Indiana. What's this all about? And it's on the Jeanette label. And what is this all about? So you just kind of do your own research and you find out that there's this truly amazing story that was happening in Indiana in the 1920s, recording all of this amazing music. And then as I was doing more research on Jeanette Records, I kind of found that geographically, I am connected to a lot of the Jeanette story. My father's family and many generations of Wallarabs are from Davenport, Iowa, and uh, there are still Wallarabs who live in that area. And that's, of course, the hometown of Big Spiderbeck. Um, I grew up very near Carbondale, Illinois. And in fact, I went to college at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, Illinois. And that was the hometown of Frankie Trumbauer, who was a uh, Bix Beiderbeck's jazz musical counterpart, great saxophone player. Then I lived and taught and I teach in Bloomington, which is where Hobie Carmichael is from. And Bix Beiderbeck spent a lot of time there. So just geographically, I, f I found that a lot of my personal story connected with a lot of these great musicians and the Jeanette story. So it's not just the music that was inspiring me, but when you just realize that where you're from, while it doesn't completely define you, it is a part of who you are. And I felt that the Jeanette story is something that I, me and my family, very much connected to.
the track you are hearing is from the Jeanette Suite, performed by the Buscelli Wallarab Jazz Orchestra and available now and paying tribute to the legendary Jeanette Records as well as some of the artists linked with this historic label, including King Oliver and Louis Armstrong, Big Spiderbeck, Hoagie Carmichael and Jelly Roll Morton. And if you love jazz and vinyl, be sure to check out Jazz A's Vinyl Club, a new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz A's editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we cover in the print version of Jazz A's, jazzays.com and these Jazz A's podcasts. Go to jazzays.com and click on Join Vinyl Club for more. And now, back to our conversation with Brent Wallarab. From what you've also told me, I mean, I, I kind of suspected it a little bit, but it sounds like your your musical formation, let's say, uh, has always coincided with also, you know, on top of the technique and all the theory and stuff, with also a profound interest for the history of the development of the music. Oh, absolutely. I think that the history of jazz is just as important as the process of making jazz. I, I, I think the story of jazz is a key component for understanding the music. Um, while certainly jazz is a great international music and has been for many, many decades, the story of jazz, I think, also is the story of America. And I think that we can understand and, and appreciate American history by looking at through the lens of jazz history and also vice versa. They, they really coincide. So I do think that the history of the music the people who made them, where they came from, why it happened, when it happened, and where it happened is is very important and a, a huge part of my interest in jazz. Absolutely. And uh, on the same, along the same lines, you know, if we can deviate a little bit from the Jeanette Suite, which of course we'll return to later, uh, since you are also, you know, an esteemed educator, uh, I'd love to ask you what you think of how that story is is taught or told uh, nowadays. Oh, I think that's a fantastic question. And I think that the teaching of jazz history is crucial, not just to young aspiring jazz musicians. They absolutely do need to know where this music comes from. But I think the public at large, even the the jazz listening audience, they don't have to be trained musicians or really even know anything about music. But I think that our audience will only appreciate jazz more uh, and be drawn to it more the more they understand the history. So I'm a big advocate of jazz education, not just for aspiring musicians, but but jazz education for all. And I think that that has to start in the history of the of the music. So I think it's very very important because you know jazz is a very organic music. It, it came up in North America in a very organic way. It, it percolated for hundreds of years before it it emerged in the art form that we that we know of which is really still just about a hundred years old. So uh, I like the fact that it wasn't just, um, uh, it, it wasn't created in the academy. It wasn't created in salons. It wasn't created by a bunch of artists and intellectuals sitting around and thinking about merging these different elements of music. It happened very organically, which I think makes it very, uh, a very deep and profound music and a music that, even though elements of style are, will come and go and performance practices, it always changes within each new generation. The, the essence of, of what jazz is, the rhythm, a 
especially in the expressive qualities and the blues elements of jazz. It's, it's eternal. It's timeless. And those things speak very much to the history of the music and where it came from. So I'm very excited to always talk about the history of the music to, to anybody who, who cares to, to converse with me. I find it extremely fascinating. And since we're talking about the history of the music, you know, the Janet Suite is a new work of yours with the Buzeli Wallarab Orchestra. And uh, since we talked a little bit about the history of uh, Janet, I wanted to ask you about the origins of this orchestra as well. (laughs) Could you give us a little bit of background uh, on its initial vision and how it eventually became a reality? Well, absolutely. Next year, we will have celebrated our 30 years in existence, something I'm very proud of. Congratulations. Uh, (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, I was living in Washington, D.C. at the time, uh, working for the Smithsonian Institution. I was a trombonist with the Smithsonian Jazz Masterworks Orchestra and a specialist in jazz for the Smithsonian in those days. And um, I came back to Indiana, to Bloomington, to teach at Indiana University when one of the faculty was on sabbatical. It was just a, a, a sabbatical replacement. And when I came back, I ran into this fellow, Mark Baselli, who was an older student who had come back for his master's degree. And um, I got to know him, and we really hit it off musically. We really think about music uh, and, and history and uh, jazz very much the same way. And so we thought, well, why don't we write some charts, write some arrangements, get some musicians together, and, and just sort of see what happens. So we did, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, I kept going back and forth from Bloomington to Washington, D.C., but the band just kept, after that initial rehearsal and performance, we just kept going with it. I, I eventually relocated permanently in Indiana, and uh, the band uh, maintained. One of the great things that happened was, uh, and I think it's for any band, and any band who has had this experience will say that, we were so lucky that before long, I believe it was in nine, 1997, we got a steady gig at a great jazz club in Indianapolis called The Jazz Kitchen, and we played every Tuesday night for over 12 years. And that's one of the great opportunities in any band, whether it's a big band or whether it's a, a small group, to have a regular weekly steady gig. What's great about a job like that is you have to keep producing new material. You can't write 30 charts and keep playing those, <laughs> recycling those 30 or 50 arrangements week after week, year after year, because the audience will get bored and the musicians will get bored. So it forces you as a creative person to continue to generate new music and you get better as a writer. The band gets better as an ensemble and you start to develop a significant library. And so we're very grateful to the Jazz Kitchen in Indianapolis to have given us such a a wonderful opportunity to have a, a regular steady gig. Uh, and over the years, we recorded uh, eight recordings, and um, we did a lot of education, too. We talked about that earlier. We developed many programs, and we went to the schools, and we teaching everybody from uh, kindergartners through high school and even into college. And so we were very privileged to be able to, to share the music on that in that capacity as well as um, we stopped counting after well over a 1,000 performance gigs in Indianapolis and beyond. Uh, so yeah, we're very happy that, that we're able to do this. And we have a core of musicians who have stayed with us almost the whole time. And and Mark Besselling and I, even though we're co-leaders uh, and we're very different personality-wise, we have developed a really great understanding and respect for each other. And so we've been able to to uh, to make this work for a, for a few decades now. And we're very proud of that. So, so tell me uh, more about the uh 
the idea behind this new work then, the Jeanette Suite? Because it's not simply taking these, you know, these early recordings and playing playing those recordings again. It's a lot more creative than than that, right? Well, it is. Yeah, we didn't want this to be recreationist in any way. I mean, there's absolutely no possible way that we're going to play better than King Oliver and Louis Armstrong or Hoagie Carmichael or Jelly Roll. They were geniuses and their music should be preserved in its original form and, and celebrated. But artists are often inspired by source material in such a way that at some point in their creative life, they have to reckon with it. And that's how I was with this music from Jeanette. I revered it, worshipped it, honored it, listened to it, studied it. And it was just so much a part of my consciousness as a musician. Uh, it kept nagging at me creatively. I had to do something with it. So actually, the, the first incarnation of this piece happened 20 years ago. Uh, we had a concert, a subscription concert series at the Indiana History Center for about six years, and we developed brand new music for each concert. And that was my first stab at something called the Jeanette Suite. Uh, at that point, it had nagged at me so much, I knew I had to do something with it. So I did a small kind of miniature version of the Jeanette Suite at that point. It was okay, but I knew that it wasn't completed. I knew that it wasn't what I wanted it to be, but I shelved it at that point. And so then all these years later, an opportunity came to look at it again. I had had some distance between then, my original approach to it, and now. And I knew that now was the time to finally get to it. So I wanted it to work in context of a modern big band, but at the same time, I didn't want to completely abandon elements of the blues and elements of swing and elements of of rhythm that were part of the original recordings. I love the original recordings so much that I didn't want to abstract them so much. I wanted to treat them with, with love and respect. So I wanted to make sure that the, the original melodies were intact and the that blues drenched vocabulary that is so much a part of American music that it was there. So I really tried to um, strike that balance between letting the joy and the spirit and the rhythm of the original tunes be present while at the same time uh, explore some more uh, contemporary elements of, of big band writing. You know, it's a fairly straight ahead record in many ways. Uh, in some cases, it's not. Uh, but I just really wanted to make sure that I approached each song that is represented in this suite with with care and love and respect. Uh, that, that was the main thing. Um, I, I wanted to... And another thing, too, was uh, when you listen to that music, the original music from the 20s, there's so much optimism. There's so much joy. There's so much spirit. There's just so much beautiful humanity in those recordings. I wanted to do my version of that. Jazz and jazz musicians... Uh, Creatively, they, they reflect a lot of the music of their times. And, you know, we do live in some, you know, rather troubling times now. And, and a lot of that is reflected in the music, understandably so. And I'm so grateful that, that musicians are able to do that. But I also think that there's so much more to the human existence than, than just addressing some of these things. And I, I feel that one of the strong elements of the story of jazz is showing how we can have all these disparate elements. We can have even very troubled history of the United States with slavery, all of these issues that are so complicated and so so troubling uh, and, and uh, so challenging that if something like jazz can emerge out of 
out of these conflicts, something so expressive and beautiful, and it changed changed the world with with the, the possibilities of jazz. That jazz still gives me optimism in times like this, right? That that if we can overcome so much and something as beautiful and important as jazz can come out of it, that whatever we might be struggling with now, we can overcome that. And I think jazz, one of the great elements of the story of jazz is that. And so I wanted the, the Jeanette Suite to reflect the possibilities and remind um, the listeners that uh, in the face of many challenges, we can still hopefully, you know, find some optimism and some joy with being alive and look to these things that inspire us that will make us put in the work uh, and make the sacrifices perhaps to, you know, to make the world a better place again. So um, I wanted to make sure that the music reflected that. And, uh, and so in a very, uh, in a very confident way, I took those qualities of the original recordings of the 20s and, and try to bring them into the into the present time. And I also wanted to ask you about the four movement structure, because I understand, you know, that there's a point of focus or, you know, a driving theme or, you know, a particular person that uh, each one of these movements kind of focuses on, right? In order to represent all of the great musicians who recorded at Jeanette, there would have to be multiple, multiple versions. And so I... I Paired it down to basically four concepts. The first movement, while it's heavily featured uh, with the music of King Oliver and Louis Armstrong, we also have a piece in there by the New Orleans Rhythm Kings. The three pieces are blues in form and in, in expressiveness. And uh, the Tin Roof Blues, the Chimes Blues, and the Dipper Mouth Blues. And of course, we have the New Orleans Rhythm Kings and then King Oliver. So I combined those uh the, the that word play to create royal blue so it just really reckons with the blues uh but it also has you know louis armstrong's famous first solo he ever recorded was at Jeanette's on, on chimes blues and that's heavily featured the second movement is uh for bix Beiderbeck specifically um a couple of the pieces that he recorded at Jeanette, including the davenport blues and the jasmine blues uh the third movement is hoagie carmichael um, it features Riverboat Shuffle Part 1 and Part 2. Uh, it's done in two parts because um, the piece does go in very different directions, so I decided to put that into two parts. But also Stardust, and I was a little intimidated to, <laughs> to do an arrangement of Stardust because, you know, it's one of the most recorded pieces in jazz history, and uh, I was really struggling with that. Do we really need another arrangement of Stardust? But I went ahead and did that, and I I framed it in a way that I think is unique. I don't think it's ever been done quite like this. So we do have Stardust represented. And then the final record, uh, movement on the recording is for Jelly Roll Morton, two of his pieces, Grandpa's Spells and the King Porter's Stomp. So yeah, it, each movement really is focused on these individuals. Well, the Jeanette Suite is a fascinating new work. And Brent, I thank you very much for joining us to uh, talk with us about it. Thanks a lot. Well, it's really been my pleasure. Thank you so much.
hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brent Wallarab. His new album with the Buscelli Wallarab Jazz Orchestra, The Jeanette Suite, is available now. And if you love jazz and vinyl, be sure to check out our Jazz Is Vinyl Club. Join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition color vinyl albums mailed directly to you. Just go to jazzis.com and click on Join Vinyl Club for more. And as music from the Jeanette Suite by the Buscelli Wallarab Jazz Orchestra plays us out, I encourage you to keep an eye and ear out for more episodes of the Jazz Ace Podcast, our print magazine, including our recently released summer 2023 issue, and other great content available to you on our regularly updated website, jazzace.com. And if you like what you see, you can always subscribe for more. Till the next time, this is Matt McCoochie signing off. See you soon.